it gives me great pleasure to uh, introduce uh, Matt and Sarah Smith. Uh, we were able to have the blessing of spending a week with Matt and Sarah back in March, Irma and myself, uh, and worked a little bit in their uh, Christian Academy there for missionary kids, and that was a real blessing for us. And so it gives me great pleasure at this time to uh, welcome uh, uh, Matt and Sarah Smith. Good morning. Oh, that worked pretty good. I thought I was going to have to resort to buenos dias. Uh, Sorry about the objects, but I am a teacher, and teachers need props to teach. Now, Matt and I have a little bit of a... Uh, confession to make this morning, we're not quite feeling 100% ourselves, but I know that you're going to be gracious because a few of you in this room, I have seen you come to my country, Guatemala, and when you come to my country, especially when you've just gotten off that long airline trip or back from the long bus ride through the winding mountains, You guys look like deer in the headlights. You're just, you know, and you're confused about everything, and you're not sure what you're supposed to do. Well, we just landed here this past week, and we feel the same way. I know that my passport says American citizen, but I tell you what, I feel like I was put into ice and then awoken 10 years later. And we just kind of wander around the stores like this and all this new technology and things going on, and we don't know how to do anything, and we need... We just, I, at Walmart, it took us like two hours to find three items yesterday. We just <laughs> kept wandering around. There were so many choices. But we are really, really glad to be here this morning. Um, we are excited because we want to talk to you a little bit about our missionary journey and the next step that God is taking us into. And this is a, a good place to talk about this because I attended this church when I was in high school And it was really during those years that I decided to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And it was during those years that I learned that there is nothing better that this life has to offer than a relationship with God as a child of the King of all kings that's only made possible through Jesus Christ. And God led us to to go throughout the world and um, see many different places. And what we saw in those different places, I have a map up there for you to see. If you see the world, and there are so many places where people do not have those same opportunities to hear about who Jesus is, to be discipled, to grow, to learn his word in the same way that we have here in this country. And for years, this has broken my heart. I went 10 years ago for the first time to live overseas permanently. But every day I felt, how can I do more? How can I do more? There's that village. There's that village. There's that community. And I know they don't have a witness there. I know they don't have Bible teaching there. And so after 10 years of ministry, God has slowly, slowly put pieces together for a new ministry that we're launching that we hope is going to help bring the good news of Jesus Christ into so many areas of the world that are lacking. Now, as you see the map up uh, on the screen there, Sarah and I have had the privilege uh, since youth 
to travel the world, and we've had the opportunity to work in various mission fields, and there's a common thread that we've seen, uh, which harkens back to Jesus' words uh, when he was walking the earth. He told his disciples in Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. In every country we've seen, there are people wanting to know who Christ is. It's, it's rich in people wanting to, to know, yet so few workers. Whenever we go to a country, we see so many people longing to know and so few people there to tell them. And so what Christ said still rings true today. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So the name of this new ministry is called Encounter Education and Missions. And we chose the word encounter because we want people to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. But all of our ministries are around the idea of education. We saw early on that education was a way to get into places that other missionaries never could. Now, one of our primary outreaches at Encounter is our English Bible clubs. Sarah and I uh, just fell in love with the idea of education because so many people out there are longing to be educated. And it's an open door for the gospel. There are people willing to hear the gospel who also want to learn English. And, uh, and so English Bible clubs are going to be our focus of outreach to the community around us, starting in Guatemala, but we'd love to see it go worldwide. We will be teaching English and teaching the gospel at the same time uh, to the community there where we live, and we hope to spread out uh, to all corners of Guatemala and the world. But we also know that we're limited in what we can do. We want more people to be able to come to these areas where there's a lot of need. And so we started asking ourselves, like, how do we get people to come? And how do we get people to stay so that their ministries can really take root and thrive in these areas? Well, when we thought we would just be using education to for evangelism and discipleship, God kind of turned our path, and we ended up spending the last four years in an MK school in Guatemala City. And we had had encounters working a little bit with MK schools in other countries in the past. And the one thing that we saw is that where there is an MK school, oh, wait a minute, I'm getting ahead of myself. Who knows what an MK is? Okay, good, good, okay. An MK is a missionary kid. So in some places in the mission field, people have come together to put a school together for the children of missionaries. But we found that an MK school is a lot more than just about the education of the missionaries' kids. It's a place of support. It's a refueling station. And so the other thing we saw is that Wherever you see one of these MK schools, there's missionaries. There's ministries that build up. There's people who stay longer. So it came to our mind, well, what if we planted MK schools in places where we would like to see missionaries go and be able to stay and thrive? Because when you're a missionary, this is what you're used to seeing See how well this works. Oh, wrong button. Sorry. Okay. You're used to seeing this out your window. And suddenly, you felt the burden, you felt the call, 
you pack up your things, you go overseas, and now every day, instead of seeing that, you see this. <laughs> it can be a little shocking. Or you're used to shopping here. Nice carts, wide aisles, self-checkouts, and suddenly most of your groceries are coming from here. And so we have seen this firsthand that missionaries need a lot of support. When they first get to the field, you know, there's so many things to think about. They've got, they've got to find a house. They've got to figure out somewhere to stay and to live, and they have to uh, arrange all that. They have to figure out transportation and how to get from point A to point B. And then the all-friendly immigration comes in, and they tell you you have to have this paperwork and this paperwork, and you have to go to that office, and you have to stand in that line. And the missionary is already getting pretty overwhelmed. And they say, oh, you got to work on your Spanish. Make sure you work on your Spanish and get that going and, and be able to communicate because you don't even know how to ask where the, the bread is in the grocery store. And then you might have children that come along with you. And so you got to educate them somehow. you got to figure out how that's going to happen. There's no library, no public library down the road. And um, then you have your health. Little Johnny gets a cavity. you got to figure out where you take care of that and how you do it and try to talk to the dentist in a language you're still studying. So you got that. And then you have your medical care. never know when that's going to strike. you got to figure that out. And so all these things start piling up on a missionary. And so when you have a community, when there's an MK school like that, then people can begin. Oh, <laughs> he's my helper then the other missionaries can help that new missionary be able to unpack some of this load and sort these things out, help them sort these things out. But actually, that is the easiest stage of being a missionary because after a while, you get those things sorted out. You know where you live. You know how to get there. You know how to buy food. But as time goes on, there's other challenges missionaries can face, such as... Loneliness. If you are, I, I remember way back when we lived in Africa and we hardly ever saw a white person. And we went to, when we'd go into a grocery store, we'd, we might, in the capital, we might see one and we'd get so excited. And we'd try to get a little bit close to them to see if they might talk some English to us. <laughs> so loneliness can be a huge issue. Discouragement. Everything in the world moves more slowly than in the United States. So it's very easy to get discouraged on the mission field. Conflict. Missionaries are not perfect people, and everybody in the world experiences conflict at some level, either with the nationals or someone you're working with, and this can be a burden on the missionary. Family issues that arise, just like they do in the States. Anxiety, depression, all these things can be things that missionaries struggle with. And when you are alone and when you are isolated, it is hard to carry all these burdens yourself. And so Encounter Academy, yes, it's a place for these missionary kids to be able to get a quality education, for families to have help with homeschooling or a Christian school experience, but it's also a place for missionaries to come together and help each other so that they can come in be refueled, and go back out. Lastly, Encounter wants to reach out to the young people here in the States uh, and from all over, really. 
and that would be through our bridge program. Sarah and I, uh, as young people, we had the privilege to be mentored by and to work with missionaries during our Bible school training. And that was such a formative time for us. We learned so much from it. Our bridge program is just that. It's an opportunity for young people ages 16 to 25 to come down to Guatemala and experience the mission field, to see the need, work with other missionaries there, and also live with us, uh, have the opportunity to live in a community, study God's word, get to know him better, and complete college credit or high school dual enrollment online uh, while there. So it's an opportunity for them to complete something that they already hopefully plan to do, but to do it in the uh, context of the mission field and to gain more experience and possibly even a calling uh, to the mission field outside of their country or to the mission field back in their country, whatever it may be. It's an opportunity for them to be discipled and to grow wherever the Lord may take them. (laughs) So in a nutshell, Encounter is about taking education and directly using it as a discipleship and evangelism tool. It's also about creating these refueling stations in our academies so that missionaries have the support they need and the encouragement to go into difficult places. And then lastly, it's about preparing the next generation of goers and senders because it is our responsibility to continue to disciple people who will go as laborers into the harvest. We, we had this vision and, and we said, you know, we want to start, we want to try one prototype. We want to try a model and we want to, to run it for a few years and then we want to see if we can replicate this model. So God was very gracious to us. We've been able to um, put a lot of the pieces together. We had a, a launch with our advisory team right before we came. And we are opening our doors in July of 2020. And we have a location for us to begin waiting for us when we get back to prepare. And we are going to start um, with students and bridge students in a place where they have never had a school for MKs where they've never had a lot of these different types of ministries. And so we are really excited about that. And even as we were sharing and talking about this, um, we already had a large mission board contact us and say, hey, I hear you're doing something for MK Kids. Can you tell us what you're doing? Could we be a part of it? Because we really need help too. So we don't know how big God will let this be, but we do pray our heart is that this can be used in many different locations so that the gospel can go forth into even the most needy and remote areas of the world. In August, uh, Sarah and I celebrated 10 years since we originally left for the mission field. And there's one thing that we've realized in that 10 years, and it's that we didn't go to start a work for the Lord or to you know, do our own work. We've had the privilege to join in what he's already doing. He gave us the vision for encounter, and uh, the thing that we see time and again is he's already working. We just have the privilege to come along and, uh, and pick up the work uh, where he's been there and, and to be a part of it. Um, and as youth, uh, I was prepared to be a missionary by the Lord. They, uh, uh, one of the things they did was uh, cram a lot of missionary biogra- biographies uh, down me, a lot of uh, books and stories about missionaries, so it was inevitable that I would end up on the mission field. (laughs) 
But uh, one of the great missionaries that I remember reading uh, about was uh, William Carey. And uh, he has a quote. Some of you are probably familiar with it. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. And that's our goal. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We want to go and, and reach that harvest and enable those laborers and more to come and to stay. And so uh, we thank you for the opportunity to share that with you. Okay, our next uh, speakers, Don and Susie Ryan. I think everybody is familiar with Don and Susie and uh, the work they do at the UP Bible Camp. And uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have them come this morning and uh, share with us uh, what goes on at the UP Bible Camp. Thank you, Dave, and thank you, Matthew and Sarah, for uh, sharing your uh, fantastic ministry with us. Uh, it's such a great thing and work you're doing. Back in 1936, there was a young man and his wife, and they had a burden to reach kids in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Uh, they were from the Detroit area. He was a budding young architect, and uh, he and another man, uh, he and his wife and another man, started to travel across the UP uh, doing Bible studies, Bible clubs uh, with young children, and uh, they developed uh, an interest in an idea of starting a Bible camp. Uh, the man's name was Cameron MacArthur. Um, he comes out of a church background that we do as well, Susie and I, called the Plymouth Brethren tradition, if you're familiar with that at all. Uh, it's solid, solid background that we're grateful for. And uh, so they actually started in, a, in an old farmhouse on Wilson Lake, down near Little Lake. And they started a Bible camp. In the summer, I believe four or five weeks, uh, you will find it interesting to know that Kurt Janofsky, who attends this church, Kurt's mom was one of the very first campers in 1936. And just a few years, I'm not sure how many after that, he, uh, his dad uh, came to the camp and met his mom. So Kurt's parents uh, are the result of a, a meeting together at UP Bible Camp way back when. I'll share a little bit about my history at the camp, and then Susie will do the same. Uh, my dad was the camp director, summer director, when I was born. I was born in 1955, the year that I believe K.I. Sawyer Air Force Base opened. And uh, we came across the Straits of Mackinac on the ferry. The bridge was not open yet. So that's how old I am. Yes. And uh, so I spent every summer of my life as a kid at UP Bible Camp. Uh, we had transitioned from that property on Wilson Lake to a property they found on Farmer Lake. And uh, it's in the little village used to be called Forsyth, now it's called Little Lake, 
and we found a property there of 66 acres. It's now 100 acres uh, at that property, and the summer camp was born. Um, I was a camp brat, you know, ran all over there as a little kid, and uh, eventually started to grow up, and I was on camp staff as a teenager, and then I did some counseling at boys camp and eventually became the boys camp director for about 25 years and we also directed family camp after that and so I've served on the board over time and uh, been involved in a lot of different aspects of the Bible camp. Susie? My family came to family camp, probably I was about four, maybe. So we started going to family camp there, and um, my parents were involved in the camp. My dad was a builder, and he helped to build one of the um, cabins or dorms, maybe in the early 60s, I think, perhaps. So my sisters and I grew up going to the camp there from the time we could start being a camper. And um, then I was on summer staff. And how did I become the cook? Well, Don's mom had been the cook. The, and along with Aunt Marge Brown. Is Aunt Marge here? Oh, rats. I love Aunt Marge. She was very instrumental in helping me through the early years when I became the head cook. Um, Don's mom became sick, probably the, oh, let's see, don't remember when. 37 years ago. Yeah. Anyway, um, no, 33 years ago. I came up with our four kids to help her out took five weeks off of work and helped her out. She passed away from a brain tumor seven weeks after diagnosis that summer. And I was asked if I wanted to take that job on full-time, which full-time meant eight weeks in the summer at that point. It was not year-round. I said I didn't think I could, and Don sitting right next to me said, sure, she can, <laughs> with my four kids. So I did. And so the kids and I spent every summer there after that. Don would drive up every weekend while he was working back home. Never would have expected that. Never would have thought that God was leading in that direction at all. When I look back, I see pieces of how God moves things and prepares you for things. Didn't feel totally prepared for that, but... He still helped. He still encouraged. He still moved us forward. Our kids had the privilege of growing up there. And they will say it is the one, uh, the, the best thing that we have ever done for them was to grow up there. It is where they gave their lives to Christ. It is where they rededicated their lives to Christ it is where God met them in some pretty traumatic times when they really needed him. And so that's kind of my history there. 
and still going strong, and I was right when I said she could do it. <laughs> uh, and she does it very well, uh, uh, with a lot of with a lot of help, of course. But uh, it's uh, been a, a great ministry for Susie, and it involves not just cooking food, but it involves uh, interacting with a lot of young lives, a lot of the young gals who are staff in the summer, and Susie's. A, men, a mentor to many of them and has influenced them for the Lord. Uh, camp property has grown a little bit now. We've got uh, a second property on Little Lake itself, which is 55 acres. So all told, we have 155 acres now at two different locations. Um, the property on Little Lake used to be, it was called the Page Center, if a lot of you may know about that. It was owned by the Episcopal Diocese of Marquette, and they had it for sale. And a, a wealthy Christian businessman had been looking for property for his family in the UP, and he ran across this property, knew it wasn't right for him, but he called us out of the blue and said, if I buy it for you, will you, will you take it? And it was listed at over $800,000 at the time. Um, everything included some rustic cabins, uh, a beautiful house on the lake there, and so on. And uh, we did have to think about it. The gift horses can cost you money, and it has. But thankfully, the man that purchased the property has continued to help uh, fund some of the need there. So it's been an awesome thing. So we're running camps there concurrently in the summer. Uh, while we're doing uh, programming at the other at the main property, and we're doing smaller groups over there, and it's really been a fantastic thing. Um, so uh, we have a lot more going on now than we used to. Uh, it's uh, roughly eight nine years ago we opened our retreat center that we built, and it's uh, fully winterized. The main campus is not. We have to drain all the pipes in the winter. Uh, but the retreat center put us into year-round ministry. And uh, subsequently, we, quote, retired from our jobs down south in Grand Rapids and uh, moved up about 10 years ago already and uh, got involved in the retreat center. So Susie has food activity going all year long now. And uh, we're, starting, we're starting to build a, a lot of programming in the retreat season. So she and I are the retreat season managers now. And uh, we get a lot of some of our own programming uh, retreat-wise. We have church groups that rent the property, uh, ladies' retreats and so on. We've got three or four different quilters groups that... We just had a quilting retreat this weekend. It ended yesterday. And uh, just what it's done for us is it's put us into the community like we've never been before. And uh, we're reaching out. And even these civic groups, if you will, are, are a ministry for us, a chance to share the love of Christ, uh, both in how we serve and in the things we say. And, uh, yep. <laughs> I'm done. I think this is a good point, time to say, when we moved here, we needed to find a church. We needed a church 
that spoke the truth, that taught the truth, that opened God's word, and didn't mince the truth. And I want to say, we want to say, we are very grateful to the leadership here at Bethel because you do all of that. You speak it clearly, and we really appreciate that. We needed that. Also want to say, this church has really given so many volunteers and hours and people that we have grown to dearly love and appreciate, and we could not do this without that. We don't have paid staff. We have volunteers and missionaries, and that is how God is working through UP Bible Camp. You want to take it? Okay. Um, Along with the quilting groups, well, not along with, but um, five years ago or so, we started Women's Bible Study, a community out there at the camp. And through the quilting groups, we have reached probably seven or eight of those women, some who don't know Christ, some who wanted to grow more. And so that has been really a blessing. That is nothing I thought I saw coming. But the need was there, and God was moving in that direction. So we thought we would try it. And it's just, it's a real blessing. And it's, again, into the community. And that's really where we felt like God was with this year-round ministry leading us. It's not just to have more little camp programs and that sort of thing, but it was really to get to know people in the community and reach out because the community is in need, as it is everywhere. I still want to say something. I'm not done. Don talked a little bit about our staff and, and my involvement with the staff. I love the teenagers. They are willing servants. They don't all come with that heart, but they learn that over the summer. And through the years, we have seen, through the camp history, there have been so many that have gone on to be missionaries around the world. I have, well, now I'm in my second generation of staff, you know, so I had their parents. Now I'm having those parents' kids. And to see them grow and to have meaningful conversations with them is just a real blessing for me. It encourages me, and I love to see them become more on fire for serving the Lord. Now, along with all that joy, there comes some sorrow. It's not all happy. Some of those kids walk away from the Lord, and that is heartbreaking. So I'm going to throw that in as a prayer request, you know, that we keep faithful in trying to encourage them and stay in contact and build those relationships because they need to stay walking in the truth. Thank you. A couple other neat things I think we're doing um, for the community. One of the best things, if not the best thing we're doing at camp in general uh, these days is a um, 
day camp. We do one week at the beginning of the summer and one at the end. Uh, they come in Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, we feed them lunch, and we have a program. We have church churches from downstate that come and help with us, and it takes an army. Uh, we've been getting 175 kids per day, uh, local kids. And uh, we were doing it for 25 bucks, uh, $5 a day. We had to raise it to 30. Uh, but uh, so it's extremely affordable. In, there is a lot of need in our area. There's a lot of broken homes and so on. And it's just been such a blessing, this day camp. And, and people in the community appreciate it. You'll hear about it all year long in the grocery store. I don't know how you do it. It's wonderful, you know. And so they love it. And it's been a, a really neat ministry for us. The other is we do a Thanksgiving dinner on Thanksgiving Day itself. And uh, we're looking for folks that don't have anywhere to go, maybe elderly, alone, uh, or just down and out. And uh, so we do a Thanksgiving dinner. And that thing has grown to where we're getting uh, 125 or so on Thanksgiving Day. And... Uh, some of the folks here at Bethel help with that uh, in, in regard to preparation. So uh, a lot going on, and uh, we're just blessed to be a part of it. The Lord has really worked at UP Bible Camp over, over 80 years now. Um, one story for you that involves Bethel, and then a, a verse I'll share, and we'll be done. Um, we shared at the Iwana I don't know if it was last year, uh, Brian invited us to come. He was having some of the local camps come and talk to the kids. So we were talking to the Sparkies, those are the little guys, and uh, telling them about UP Bible Camp. And one little guy stood up in the front row and wasn't having any of it about UP Bible Camp. He had a camp that he went to, and he started telling us about his camp. My camp is the best camp, he says. And he went on for two minutes letting us have it. And, uh, and uh, Susie had the best response. She said to him after he finished up, you are right. Any camp that teaches the truths about Jesus and the salvation he can provide us with or has provided us with is the best camp. And so that's true. We're not just the best camp. There's a number of great camps. And uh, I had to admire that little guy for sticking up for his camp. He was, he was, uh, what's the right word? I don't know. At, well, adamant, yeah. Uh, so one of our men who served at camp for faithfully for years and years, he served the Lord in all of his life faithfully at his church with his family and uh, at camp gave me this verse, it's Luke 17, 10, and it's become his life, life verse. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. And we're going to try and make that our attitude, and I'm sure Matthew and Sarah would, would agree with that too, and for all of us. Uh, that's the the position we should take. Uh, what God has done for us, the love He's shown in His Son, 
uh, we can't do, we can't repay it. Uh, but the old hymn says, how can I do less than give him my best after all he's done for me? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Thanks for hearing us this morning, and thank you for your ongoing support. We surely appreciate it, uh, both your prayers and the financial support and the friendship and the volunteerism. Uh, it's great to be a part of Bethel, and we thank you so much.